Uh, we're in Luke, Luke chapter 1. Um, yesterday we were, uh, obviously still in Luke chapter 1, but we we're talking about the birth of John the Baptist foretold and how Elizabeth gets pregnant. And Zachariah is made to look a fool. So uh, we're starting verse 26 today. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Just so you're placing this in your head, Mary is probably 13 or 14. Um, We don't know exactly how old Joseph is. We know that he's dead by the time that Jesus is 30. Um, That's not uncommon. Joseph might be 25 to 30 if it was like an average of when a Jewish man might get married. So somewhere in the 25th to 30, the average person would live to be 50. That's like, uh, that might be high average, but so 30 year old man, 13, 14 year old woman, very common in the time. I'm not saying that's not weird now. Just saying, (laughs) just trying to place some like ideas in your head of like the ages here. Virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, greetings. You're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And then Mary asks probably the question we would all be asking. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she she was said to be barren as in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for she has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble." He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he has said to our father. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. And that is our reading for the day. Um, there's a lot. I mean, that's 21 verses. There's a lot we can talk about or 20 verses. Uh, a couple of things that I just want to think are fun to look at, or historically fun to look at. Um, As you may or may not know, um, in ancient literature, women are not always uh, esteemed, we might say, in the way that they should be, 
Or could be. Um, up until this point, uh, you have two very famous women um, that are known within ancient literature as sort of like heroines. Do you know who they are? Anyone want to guess? Two big ones. I don't mean biblical. Joan of Arc. Jo- uh, not yet. Joan of Arc is going to be the 17th century. You said when? Up until this point, so this is like 3 AD, two very famous women who are considered heroin, real women. And they're not biblical. Helen of Troy. Helen of Troy. Got one. Very good, Aaron. I'll give you a hint. Uh, this one, let's see. This one is Egyptian. Cleopatra. Cleopatra. That was an easy hint. I wish I'd like made it a bit more difficult. I was like, well, I was like, it had to do with the Roman Civil War. Would you have gotten it then? Yeah, I would have said Cleopatra. Okay, there we go. But here's here's the thing. Like those women are are heroines, but one, they're tragic heroines. They both die. Um, two, they are heroines because they're beautiful. And so they're ultimately heroines because of their reliance on like a man who sees them beautiful. The thing that makes them like noteworthy is not like their strength, is not their character, is not their wisdom, is not their strength. I mean, like it has the only thing that it has to do is that they're really good looking to a man. Um, so if they were ugly, they would not be heroines. I mean, maybe they were ugly and it's just, you know, with Mark Antony and whatever her name is, um, his name. Who was it that was obsessed with Helen of Troy? Um, hmm? Yes, Paris. Thank you. It was his brother that was a problem, Agamemnon. There we go. We're not going to go down that particular thing. Let's say that Paris and Mark Antony did not find them attractive, not very powerful. Um, not history would probably not remember them. The only thing that really marked them was their beauty. That's a pretty sad state of things, like in the ancient world. We hopefully know that that is not okay. The thing that is that is earth-shattering about this passage um, is that a heroine is being introduced into history um, who is not marked by her beauty, um, who is not marked by like the way that a man is viewing her is only marked by her courage. That's it. Um, and one of the things that we can, we can miss in this particular thing is, and I'm not going to read it again, but verses 46 through 55 are what's called Mary's song. It's like, it's the song that erupts out of Mary after this conversation that she has with Elizabeth. And this is a, like, it is a, um, like, it is a revolutionary song. Like, it's a song, of, it's a song for a revolution. Because what it is talking about is the overthrow of kingdoms. And it is talking about that all of this is related to her. Like, it's the first time in history, like, that, that a woman has come onto the stage to this degree. And it is her courage and the strength of her conviction that is literally going to overthrow kingdoms. Um, and I, I just think it's important... Um, the Bible, in some ways, is is a book that is um, it's defined by the times that it's written in. It's an ancient book, um, but there are times when, because we are modern people, we lose what is happening in the midst of the kind of world that it finds itself in. 
So it would be very easy to like look at the Bible and only think like this is a patriarchal book. It is written by men. It denigrates women because like there are some things when you read it, you're like, that is really, 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 really true. Um, but one of the things that we miss is like the Bible regularly takes giant leaps forward for a people and a, a people group is at that place in space and time. And here you have a woman who is 13 or 14 years old who is like she is going to be the hinges on which the, the doors of history are going to open. And it is not marked by her beauty, though maybe she's beautiful. We just don't know. And it is not marked by, like, the way that a man does something. It is only marked by her courage and her conviction and her character, quite frankly. Um, I I think one of the things that we can miss is that Joseph, like, his duty as a husband at that, or they would, it's a little murky, like, is is he her husband at this point or just betrothed or engaged? He has the right to stone her. Like in their system now, um, that almost never, ever, ever happens. Like he, while like historically he's allowed to do that, no one ever actually did. Um, but what eventually happens is this is the thing that will mark Mary. So the thing that is going to mark Mary is that she had sex outside of marriage, which in this particular culture is such a big deal that you could kill the person who did that, um, and she goes along with it anyway. That's the kind of courage that Mary demonstrates. Like, she not only has this baby, but, like, for the rest of her life, like, Jesus is going to be known as the bastard. Like, that in Nazareth, in Galilee, when sometimes his friends and family are like, how is it that this guy is doing these things? In the back of their mind, this is what they're saying, because he's a bastard. Like, how is it that he's performing miracles? How is it that he's doing these, like... And that, like, Mary knows, walking into this situation, this is what awaits her. And she is one of the great heroines of history because she is the one that ushered in literally a kingdom that would be the kingdom of all kingdoms. And that is why she is celebrated to this day. Now, some people celebrate her probably more than they should in the sense that they make her godlike. She is not godlike. Um, But for us today, I think it's, it's important for us to see the ways and the times in which the Bible makes giant leaps forward in history um, for the sake of all people. Like the way that Paul talks about women, uh, where, where he puts them like on absolute equal footing, is it, it would be really difficult to talk about like how revolutionary that kind of idea is. Um, For us today, sitting in this room in the 21st century in the United States of America, it seems antiquated. Um, But this is the tradition that we're actually part of. We are part of a tradition that will fight for, like, the humanity and, like, the God-given stamp of the divine in every single person. Um, And that's, that's what we have the opportunity to do today. So for you, like, at least around this table, you are all the music interns for the summer. Like you have the opportunity to write and to participate in telling a story that fights for the divine in every single person. And for the rest of us who are in this room, um, who are not music interns, like who are leaders, who are pastoral staff, who are um, discerning calls to ministry and things like that, that is no less our task. Like we are representatives of what God is doing in this world, which is like the redemption of the divine in every single person, every man, woman, and child has the divine spark in them. Um, and that, that enactment in history 
um, came through the courage, the conviction, and the character of Mary. And we first see that in this passage. There will be more times we see that in Mary, but this is the first time.